0: Aloha from Maui, Hawaii, and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner. Good to be here, as always, every Sunday. I was just thinking this morning that we're coming up to the beginning of our uh, couple of more months now. Um, I think it's March that will be the point where we begin year number four with this class, That means there's about 140 of these classes, um, averaging an hour and a half to two hours, uh, posted in our archive, which is pretty cool to have that many programs available to you. And the titles usually tell you enough about the content that you can browse the archive of this class and look for, essentially, support material. You're feeling depressed and... uh, and sad, well, you know, scroll down through the list of past programs until you find a, a program or two or three on depression and sadness and what to do about it. Uh, grief and loss uh, are success in terms of uh, uh, health and wealth and relationship programs and, and whatever else you happen to be looking for. Scroll those programs at our Primary website, theagelesswisdom.com. Okay. The THE is part of it. So after the W's dot theagelesswisdom.com and click on homepage to come inside. Uh, there's also an opportunity to go to the Maui Retreat page or sign up for the newsletter when you first come in. And then once you hit home page and come inside, you'll see on the left web teleconferences, and that's where you'll find the archive. Okay, And the day of the event, the upcoming live class, you can enter there as well. So thank you for being here, whether you're with us live today on, uh, what is it, January 9th of the new year, 2011, or whether listening at some point in our future uh, as a podcast or a streaming audio podcast. Appreciate your interest and uh, also appreciate you telling your friends, forwarding the newsletter, uh, forwarding these programs and uh, just basically sharing your experience, not with a particular brand name on it. Right? We're not looking for the one right way. We're looking for the best self that we can be so that we can enhance our service to other people, help them do the same thing. Uh, develop who they are. Life is growth. And nothing in your life is going to change till you do. That line actually has been on my mind a lot in the last few days. Nothing in your life is going to change until you do. You know, it's like we resist everything. We resist the good and the bad. We're so busy judging the good from the bad and trying to resist the flow of life through us, that's where our pain comes from. Rather than really allowing, we want to hold back the hurt. But you end up holding back all the love and and the rewards, the satisfaction of just being alive and breathing a breath and being able to see light dancing off objects and smell the fragrances right here, right now, in in this moment. Uh, we tend to miss all of that and uh, then blame our circumstances for who we are rather than empower ourself. This is key. This is fundamental to first the personal and then the longing for spiritual development. We we have to oddly develop the ego (laughs) and our self-respect and our self-esteem before we move beyond that egoic nature it's like rungs on a ladder you you can't uh, just skip a few you got to go through it uh, uh, not around it so uh, it's a little paradoxical that I have to develop the ego uh, before I release it some would say kill it that's a bit severe I like to say marry it Uh, spiritual betrothal is the way it's often referred to in western mysticism the spiritual uh, betrothal is the wedding of the ego with the higher self, the soul so to speak and uh, that's uh, the esoterics of it, the heart and soul of it it also leads us to our topic today which is happiness, about six months ago we did a program here happiness for no reason pointing out that happiness is perhaps initially best thought of as an emotion it is more than that it's a quality of spiritual love but we'll think of it as an emotion and so it's also thought of as a commodity something that we could give to each other hopefully or or pass around, and in the same sense that either you have or you don't have, um, often there's not a middle ground with happiness. You either know you are or know you are not happy. And the temptation, as I've indicated in the newsletter this week and the posting I've done on social nets, the temptation is to think of happiness as a result then, something that we want to create. Perfectly understandable that we would desire to be happy, rather than see happiness as the desire nature, really, of the love, the fact that you're attracted to something. Uh, Happiness as a quality of love helps us to understand love as a spectrum is there is more than emotional love. There is this capital L love, this spiritual love, this ethical, uh, moral, higher standard kind of, shall I say, more pure even, divine love that stands above it. And to understand that love comes in these many frequencies is to make a big leap forward in this whole field of personal and spiritual development, and to know that highest quality of love as a synonym for consciousness itself, all right, is also a very important breakthrough. This is the soul nature. The nature of the soul is love and consciousness. Those of you that take notes, write that down. Love equals consciousness equals the soul. And this is the so-called second ray or second element, the middle bit between heaven and earth, between God and man, between spirit and matter, or between will and intelligent activity. This is the sun, the offspring uh, of of, uh, this divine trinity of spirit and matter consciousness, the soul is at the heart and that's love and the quality of love as consciousness is happiness right? uh, the kind of bliss or ecstasy that's promised by spiritual gurus and teachers and preachers, so called heaven or nirvana that's an interesting word nirvana you know Nirvana basically means to exhale <laughs> it's the sigh of relief. Ah, the idea that happiness is just simply putting it down and seeing what's left. I mean, what's real underneath the burden we carry is just this little happy, bubbling mountain stream fresh, clean, pure consciousness just bubbling out of your heart, clean and pure and true, and uh, everything that's not that happiness and that love, that peace of mind, that level of consciousness, is the result of our resistance to life. The burden, the negativity, the, the heartache and the confusion that we carry as a result of identifying as a separated self in a separated world and basically looking out there for something you've already got love and happiness (laughs) if you would, but take a breath, relax, uh, put it down Talagon, take me away right Allow yourself to do that now. Take a breath right now. Hold it for just a moment, and then as you exhale, ah, (laughs) feel yourself putting it down. And see if there isn't an irrepressible little giggle that comes up and out when you finally do that. Just put that seriousness down for a minute that whole burden, that idea that life is so incredibly difficult, and consider that right now, in this moment, and in this place where you sit, you're perfectly safe right now. How you doing right now? Well, I'm doing pretty good, Michael. Well, good. Right now, yeah. I could conjure up some stuff from my past, Somebody came to me this morning and was speaking of uh, what other people were saying about them and how it was uh, a problem in their life, what other people were saying. Well, we can concern ourselves with what other people say about us, but the more we concern ourselves with what other people think and what other people expect, and our attempts to please other people which is not really serving other people but trying to please other people is a way of earning some acceptance some love again as if love were a, a thing that you could hand around love is not a form and it can't be passed around it's an electromagnetic field that is everywhere equally present but for our resistance Now my primary point today in this mystery school class is to straighten out the idea that though we're tempted to see happiness as a result, as an outcome, a goal, a solution, a destination, it is not so much a result or a goal as it is a means or a way to attain a desired goal. Said simply, success is not the key to happiness. Success will not make you happy. Many, many successful people are unhappy, right? Think about it. Many impoverished people somehow manage to be happy much of the time, in spite of their oppression. And many very successful people are unhappy. So I know success is supposed to be better, prosperity is better, but it doesn't guarantee anything. And so success does not make you happy. I've even seen so-called personal development sites on the web that have held this out as, you know, your your uh, reason for coming to this particular site and studying with us is we're going to make you happy. We're going to help you create happiness in your life. Okay, well, happiness doesn't need to be created. It already exists, and It's already in your life. Again, it's the way life feels when you just allow it. When you accept it. And when you stay in the moment and as we learn to stop judging it. In other words, feel safe enough that you can pretty much allow life to have its way with you. Now, This can be really intimidating and scary to people. You know, they they think bad things will happen to them, as if life is primarily a flow that's coming at you and working against you, when in fact you are your life. You are the greater life. You are an essential part of the one life, and life is coming through you, and supporting you, and conspiring to grow you, and heal you, and reveal you, and make you better and better. Life is a conspiracy to help you grow and get better. Believe it. Trust it. Does it always look that way? No. (laughs) Why does it seem so adverse? Why, then, is it so difficult? because largely of our resistance I mean stuff happens right Uh, like the bumper sticker says stuff happens we are co-creating John Donne, No Man is an Island we're in an ocean of co-creation other people's creations their manifestations their lives intersect ours And we seek that out. We're social creatures. We need each other. We're reaching out constantly to make loving relationships It's the most rewarding thing in life. Our friendships and loving relationships. Talk about happiness and where it comes from. That's a very important part. But... We begin by emphasizing and underscoring and highlighting and writing in the margin to make it really clear that happiness is the way. There is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. It's a strategy, if you will. It is the via. Esoterically, this is a very, very important concept when we talk about the way. It's the middle way of Buddhism, or the third way. It's the second element of the trinity. When we go back to the bar magnet model, which is very important to an esotericist, and make the polarities of a bar magnet, the north and south of the bar magnet, uh, correlate to spirit and matter, or to heaven and earth, or to God and humanity, or the creator and its creation. Said to be the first and the third ray, the north and south poles of the bar magnet. There is a middle element, the second ray, so-called, that in the case of the bar magnet would be the magnetic field around it, don't you see? This is also found in the swing of a pendulum in two dimensions where the extremes of the pendulum can be thought of as the polarities and the magnetic field or middle element would be the sweep of the pendulum through all these relative positions but the extremes could correlate again to spirit and matter, to God and humanity creator and its creation Einstein called it energy and mass the only two things there are think of those as the polarity of a bar magnet and the heart and soul of it, the middle element is the magnetic field that unifies what might otherwise appear to be opposites into one thing it's a unified field it's a unifying field magnetic field or matrix (laughs) if you will the second element the heart and soul of any trinity that's the middle way it is the way for spirit to get into matter, it's the way that will gets into intelligent activity it's the way the father aspect influences the mother aspect spirit manifesting as matter or uh, energy being reflected in mass. How does the one get to the three? How does the north pole of the bar magnet influence the south pole? But through the magnetic field, the middle way, this second element in the trinity. Now this may be a little confusing at first, because I'm pulling on so many models and stacking them up, but It's only one, two, three, after all. So don't get intimidated by this at all. Just massage it a little bit and consider the number three and the threeness of things. Even in space and time, space we think of as having three dimensions. In the space-time continuum... Space is height, width, and depth. X, Y, and Z. And then the fourth dimension, so-called, is time, which is a distance between events happening at these X, Y, Z locations in space. Now the quantum physicists are telling us it appears there's 11 dimensions. And string theory is suggesting that in fact the universe that we experience is one of an infinite number of universes and that there are an infinite number of universes each experiencing infinity in an infinite number of ways it starts to multiply upon itself and lose all meaning other than to say all things are possible empirical physicists are coming to us and saying reality is pretty much perception, it's pretty much the way you look at it, and there's an infinite number of them and you get to choose that, but you still live in a world where as I say, other people's creations and their perceptions of reality are intersecting but work with this idea of three a beginning a middle and an end there's three dimensions in space time has three dimensions as they say a beginning a middle and an end a past a present and a future we divide things into three the polarity that i talked about the bar magnet and the pendulum are two very very secret they're not so secret now it's the 21st century this esoteric stuff is available and I'm telling you and I'm telling you to teach anybody that's willing to work with these models of the bar magnet and the pendulum and come up with others that help like I use a football field and and I got a bunch of then we'll work the pendulum eventually into three dimensions Where it not only goes back and forth, but around and around. And the space it sweeps out is the cone, or the dunce cap, or the witch's cap, or the wizard's hat. Remember, Mickey Mouse got the wizard's hat and the sorcerer's apprentice? Well, those hats, like the dunce cap, are a cone because they point up and spiral up. So the path around and around, or back and forth, like the pendulum becomes around and around, which as you pull it up is the spiral, and that's the whole idea of the dunce's cap. We'll talk more about that. But it starts with the polarity or duality of things, the dual nature of physical reality, and that springs from a duality of spirit and matter, or God and man, or heaven and earth. And yet it's got a heart. It's got a middle element. That's the Christ, the Buddha nature, the soul, the divine love as consciousness. That's the middle. That's the magnetic field around the bar magnet. And the relative nature of that in form is the swing of the pendulum. So if you can play around with these two models, and begin to look at the threeness of things. Now, there's a lot of material on my website that will help you to find other related websites and do your research, and do this in a playful way. Just fixate on three. What can I learn about three, about the beginning, the middle, and the end? As if it's a journey. You know, all these uh, axioms about Uh, Life is a journey, not a destination, is another way of saying it's about the way, not the result. It's this second element of the Trinity. The way, the first element, gets to the third. Again, the way spirit manifests as matter is through consciousness, through the soul. God becomes man. It's always this downward and outward flow of consciousness. Through consciousness, spirit through consciousness into matter—a downward. it's said that the downward and outward flow of spirit into matter creates an inward and upward growth. Isn't that nice? It is the down. It is the downward and outward flow of spirit into matter, through this middle aspect, consciousness, your awareness, that creates an inward and upward growth, that is an unfolding or development of that awareness, as the soul, the heart and soul, the middle aspect of this spirit and matter duality, that has God and humanity laid over it. The, the the primary trinity of manifestation is spirit, consciousness, matter that's the father, son and the Holy Spirit or the father, son and the mother aspect causative, consciousness and receptive on the other end there's scores of these and they're in all the mysticism of all the religions I've mentioned them before and there's a com- rather complete, it could never be fully complete, a a rather complete chart or list on my website at theagelesswisdom.com if you click on Wisdom Nuggets once you come on inside, click on Wisdom Nuggets and there's an article there on the number three, the Trinity, just click on that. You'll see the pendulum in there. And uh, there's a wonderful old quote from the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu in there as well that says, Out of the Tao comes the One, and from the One comes the Two, and from the Two comes the Three, and from the Three come all things. In Western mysticism, a lot of which is based on a rediscovery of the ancient Jewish Kabbalah and the Tree of Life, and and all this Jewish mysticism that is rooted to a large extent on Egyptian mysticism. Remember, Moses was raised in Egypt and, and certainly knew the ways of the Egyptian priests and, and their belief systems. And uh, this whole idea of the one manifesting as the many, this natural duality, the tendency even of our minds to think all this or all that. Why? You have two hemispheres in the brain. There's just duality is so appealing. Everything or nothing it just denies the middle it can be uh, I mean what is the middle the middle is the way it is the path that connects the cause to the result It's, it's the road the journey heart and soul is the middle way In the 60s, in the anti-war movement, I learned the phrase, there is no way to peace. Peace is the way. And that made perfect sense to me. It it was insane to me that anybody could believe that a war could create peace. That, that the idea is to win the war and then everything's okay, and until Bush's war on terrorism and the perpetual global wars of the twenty first century, war was about conquering territory, land and resources or even enslaving people right and then he had the pogrom the the what we've come to call ethnic cleansing, the genocide of certain peoples we've We've seen that in our history. But it used to be basically about land and occupying land. The idea that war itself solved the underlying problem is absurd. It never has. That's why ultimately violence solves nothing. So you could repress people, but you know, killing people doesn't kill the passion. Uh, you know, assassinating Dr. Martin Luther King did not put an end to the Civil Rights Movement. Quite the contrary. Right? You can't kill an idea because it's rooted in consciousness. Which again is an aspect like happiness of love. Love is consciousness. Consciousness is capital L love, the love on the higher plane, above lower consciousness or love merely as emotion which can be kind and sweet and gentle and a nice thing and that's even superior to the lowest frequencies of love which is basically lust and connects down to the animal nature even so you can see the little hierarchy of the evolution of love from lust to emotional caring to these higher spiritual vibrations that approach this higher heart or higher self, traditionally called by religious people the soul. Or even back in uh, Western civilization to the Greeks, Plato certainly talked at length about the soul and how it shares the ground of God. The soul knows that it is God an aspect of God that shares the ground of God it is in the presence of God the, the the blasphemy the heresy as I always point out here is that the churches proclaim the idea of a pre-existing soul above and free of form the idea your soul's in heaven now and you're an extension of it as blasphemy, heresy, this is what they were burning people at the stake for Oh, and then by the way, stealing their land, but <laughs> you know, that's basically what the witch trials were about, is a big land grab. Eight million women burned at the stake by the church that now finds itself caught up in this sexual controversy and uh, seems to increasing number of Catholics to be so medieval. And yet there's a heart to Christianity that is really beautiful. There is a love in Christianity, a spiritual love, that uh, is found in the mysticism of all religions. It's in uh, the Kabbalah. It's certainly in the uh, Sufi mysticism of Islam. Rumi. I mean, please. It's just incredible, passionate, spiritual love and uh, in many ways it's the spiritual love of the Sufis that gave rise to the whole idea of romance in the middle ages before which medieval times women were channeled; they were just taken a romance European romance really came to a large extent out of the philosophy of the, the mystics of Islam we owe them a great debt and uh, of course the eastern philosophies of yoga and um, uh, Buddhism the Taoism of China uh, Buddhism now in its many different sects and aspects really enriching the whole mystical philosophy of the east and uh, the Middle East and and the West, Rosicrucianism and uh, the esoterics behind Freemasonry it's funny to see the controversy continue around the Freemasons as if they are the Illuminati and they've always been a front for really enlightened people but people being what they are uh, especially when organizations get big there's going to be all kinds of people in every organization So every service club, every lodge, every uh, religious organization, uh, every grouping of people is going to contain a variety of people. We have to be careful about guilt by association. It's an interesting concept, though. These, in many ways, uh, are the mystics. In Western mysticism, by the way, they gave birth to this whole idea of democracy. Again, there's a quality of love as consciousness, the idea that we could uh, maybe overthrow a monarchy and establish some sort of self-rule, some sort of democracy. And uh, yet the tyranny represented by money and the power that is represented by by this kind of wealth in the world continues to dominate, and, and the struggle in so many ways continues. Um, to a large extent, now it's an information war. Who controls the media? Uh, who controls the minds? Uh, why do we think there is such a push from the right to dismantle education, right? To keep people poorly educated, low information voters. Uh, people that tend to be led by their noses or by their undisciplined emotional nature rather than the higher heart love as consciousness. Uh, love can, on the plane of the soul, sometimes be hyphenated as love-truth. And uh, even the wisdom, the reference to wisdom itself, is understood to be this second element of this Trinity. So I hope you'll play with it and consider that when we talk about peace as the way love is the way or happiness is the way to create success. To live a happy life is an attitude that you make. It's a decision. It's a matter of allowing yourself to be happy, not creating it. Like you don't create concentration when you meditate. You allow it. <laughs> you let go of everything that's distracting you from just sitting in the moment and watching your breath, perhaps, or using a mantra, or 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 beads, or visualization, or whatever other device you may use. Watching the breath is a very good one. You always have that available to you at your center, that metronome to uh, breathe, to relax, to bring yourself back to the present moment, and then to let go of whatever you've been judging. In our premium audio series, Finding Yourself in Paradise, that my business partner Steve Snyder and I do. We just did a program the other day. This is the Finding Yourself in Paradise series at FocusedPassion.com called The Driving Force about the fear behind the three obsessions of the mind when it is not applied to a task like reading or balancing a checkbook or trying to solve some problem logically, when you let go of applied thinking, your mind rolls on. There's a stream of consciousness. And it tends to obsess on three things. Sometimes in very strange combination. And that's uh, seeking acceptance and approval, looking for love, number one. Number two, trying to control the world, trying to manage it trying to uh, influence what happens to you and manage what happens to you, seeking control, usually money and power. And the third thing that we obsess on is this perpetual judgment of things as right or wrong, good or bad, uh, true or false, uh, in our interest or not on our side or against us. This extreme duality of judgment, rarely considering the middle way of happiness, the middle way of peace, the middle way that is divine love, the soul, between the source and the result, the cause and the effect, of all things, this middle element, okay? To understand that happiness is the way, and that the way to attain it is to give up thoughts of attainment, and accept that infinity and eternity are both right here, right now. They are tiny little things. If you try to open your arms or your mind to get around a comprehensive embrace of the concepts of infinity or eternity, uh, it's not going to work. You're you're not going to open your arms enough or get your mind open enough to really understand infinity or eternity that way. I'd suggest we think of infinity and eternity as a little pinpoint of time. This present moment. Tick. 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 This is reality. Tick. Tick. The past doesn't exist. The future doesn't exist. It's just this moment that unfolds. In form everything is in flux, everything is changing, everything is dancing. Nothing is really true for more than you know two nanoseconds before it changes. That's not something that you're going to rely on if you're a philosopher or a spiritual person looking to get their feet on the ground. <laughs> And you look at physical form as reality because it's solid. Well, it's no such thing. It's not only not solid, but 99.99% space. Take those nines out 12 digits, by the way. Empty space, but... Even that solid matter is flashing in and out of existence on a subatomic level. Those electrons, it turns out, are not spinning around the nucleus. They're flashing in and out of existence, visiting other possibilities and other universes an infinite number of ways, an infinite number of times. The only way to begin to get your consciousness, your awareness, around the concepts of eternity and infinity where consciousness dwells, where spirit lives, outside of space and time, outside of those limitations, is to allow yourself to sit unencumbered by fears and anxieties in the present moment. Can we live our entire waking lives there? No we still, as the masters have taught us, have to chop wood and carry water. I think it's Jack Cornfield that says, uh, first enlightenment and then the dirty laundry. We have stuff that we have to do. There are uh, chores. Right? Whether it's uh, work on the farm, you know self uh, even a beggar has to wash their face i mean uh, uh, there's stuff you gotta take care of yourself. there's things you have to do in the world that you might not like doing things that need to be taken care of, you know just simple house cleaning, doing the dishes now we can learn to do it mindfully and be happy about it. We really can. But it's less an application of happiness than allowing ourselves to put everything else down, to take a breath, to relax, chop wood, carry water. Okay, it's time to do the dishes or the dirty laundry. Let's do it mindfully. Let's at least be in the moment and watch ourselves doing what we're doing. See if we can find something interesting about it. See if I can notice something about this that maybe I've never noticed before that I could be intrigued by. Even if it's just the way my hands feel as I put them into this warm, soapy water. Whatever it is, or looking out through the window and watching the light play off a particular tree or a bush or listen to the birds sing. Whatever it is we're doing, to focus in on what we do while we do it is the challenge. I acknowledge that you can't do that all the time. Sometimes you have to multitask, but we don't have to live that kind of a lifestyle. We can find the happiness, allow ourselves to experience the happiness that is the middle way, the quality of love that is the heart and soul of our lives. This middle way that cause becomes effect through happiness, the path, (laughs) love, peace, consciousness, the heart and the soul, the middle way, the second element, okay? The bridge, if you will, when we let go of everything that's not just what's going on right here, right now. You say, well, what if what's going on right here, right now is painful? Emotionally or physically, I say, all the more reason to, right here, right now, pay attention to that emotional heartache or that physical pain. Because the only way out is through, and the sooner you pay attention to it, in the here and now, in the moment, watch it want to understand it, open yourself to understanding it, experiencing it fully, all of a sudden it ceases to exist. It was only there as a symptom, a kind of an alarm, to get you to pay attention to what's happening right here, right now, and all of our suffering is like that. All of the torment in our lives is our resistance to life itself. Stop resisting. Stop resisting. And most of that pain and suffering falls away. I mean, some would say all of it. I can't make that promise. Because <laughs> we have to live in the world. Okay. So it's a choice. It's an attitude. It's a means to the end. And mindful detachment meditation is a way to practice happiness, and the peace of mind that comes from allowing yourself to relax, to breathe, and to feel safe. To bring it back to the moment is to remind yourself that you are safe. And in order not to feel safe, and support the stresses and the anxieties that create all the hurt in our lives, you have to allow yourself to be distracted from the present moment, by thoughts from the past or thoughts about the future, by feelings from the past or feelings from the future, fears of the future—it's all fear. Right? Anything that's not happiness and love and peace of mind is fear. You want to understand you hurt? It's fear. It's what you don't know about things. Why don't I know about them? Because we've been resisting knowing about them. We. Uh, uh, you know, something hurts, so you tighten your muscles and push away. But it's the tight muscle that amplifies the hurt. Even if it's an emotional hurt, a heartache, a sadness, we tighten our muscles as if it were physical pain. That increases, just like physical pain, the emotional hurt. It's our resistance to pain that hurts. Oh, what a big lesson this is! What a huge secret this is especially in the context of our discussion today about happiness. Happiness is the way. There is no way to happiness. Work with it. And these other aspects of love that constitute this middle element, the second ray, this path, the middle way, the third way, the full swing of the pendulum between the polarities or the extremes of things. And know that that's where the truth is, in the middle. Not the end zones. the playing field. The swing of the pendulum. The whole distance of the bar magnet. No matter how close you get to one end of the bar magnet, you are still in a field of both polarities. That's what the middle way is. It's the harmonizing, unifying agent, the and, the bothness, the allness, the oneness of things comes out of the heart of things. All the solutions, all healing, all resolution, all understanding comes out of the heart of things. Knowledge may be the province of the mind, but understanding is the province of the heart. Okay, There are other models that state that differently. Semantics can vary. <laughs> you know, if philosophy came in a package with a warning on it, that's what it would say. Semantics can vary. Different people use the terms in different ways. But Let's see where we are time-wise. Uh, okay, real time, it's the top of the hour, so... Uh, let's go to questions and comments about happiness, the middle way. Uh, I hope I didn't go too esoteric on you, but that's really where I want to go in the class. Um, it's what's missing, I think, in so much of the personal development world is to let you l- look at just how logical and reasonable, how extremely well thought out esoteric philosophy really is. This is a field of perennialism or esoteric philosophy this is the field of, of mysticism of the Prisca Theologia or the ancient wisdom of the world of all cultures and all societies there, shamanism okay. uh, there is a consensus Neoplatonism as I said yoga and eastern philosophies there is a consensus a skeletal outline here in philosophy that we can learn about and it really begins with understanding the nature of the divine trinity the threeness of all things right? the beginning, the middle, and the end alright uh, let me find my way around the website bring myself back to reality here. I close my eyes and get going and forget where I am. So if you're on the telephone and have a comment or a question, uh, raise your hand by pressing star 2 on your telephone touchpad. Uh, I can unmute you and uh, you can ask your question. Star 2 on the telephone touchpad, and if you're listening live on the web today, you can leave a question or a comment there. Uh, put your name and, the, and your city in the box, and be sure and hit Submit after you put your comment or your question in. It won't come through till you hit the Submit button. Okay, uh, let's see who we have. We've got, uh, first of all, uh, Tom. Tom Finn in Los Angeles. Hi, Tom. He says, hello, Michael. Uh, I've been for the uh, last few weeks torn with anger and frustration with the conservative right trying to castigate every fraction of progress made toward positive change for the middle class and for civil rights, for migrant workers, and Illegal prisoners of war in Guantanamo, and now with yesterday's violence in Arizona, I find it extremely difficult, if not impossible, to find a happy place within. I mean, to be constantly on guard to protect rights and liberties that we have uh, uh, fought and uh, and won for over and over, makes me see why the world quote fist. Uh, in pacifist, uh, I'm stuck. Uh, yet I know what to do, and so far unable to make it work. Well, okay, it's a challenge. Uh, I'll tell you what works for me. I can't, you know, say uh, uh, with uh, great certainty that if you will only do what I tell you to do, this will all be resolved. You know, I can't make the promise here. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what works for me, Tom. Uh, hold on a sec here. In fact, let me illustrate it for you by a story that the Dalai Lama tells. Maybe you've even heard the story. Uh, He's talking about having spoken with a Tibetan monk, uh, a Tibetan Buddhist priest, who had been incarcerated by the Chinese in prison in concentration camp for over 20 years. And was finally released. And when he was able to speak to the Dalai Lama, the Dalai Lama, as as he tells the story, uh, asked him about his experience. And the priest said, "Well, I was only really in danger twice." And as the Dalai Lama tells the story, he's thinking, "Oh, this must he must be in danger. He's he's going to tell me about when uh, he's being threatened. His life is being threatened." But instead, what the guy says uh to the Dalai Lama, I, I was really only in danger twice. I I I almost lost my compassion for the Chinese. Now you may not be a Tibetan Buddhist and um culturally I'm certainly not and this idea of compassion, the standard, uh might not work for you, Tom, but it's very core To Buddhist philosophy, this opportunity, I'll explain compassion this way, this opportunity to understand that we're all human beings and we're all going through similar experiences uh, and the people who frighten us most are people who are also frightened. And the people who cause us the most pain are people who are in great pain themselves. To think, for example, of Bush and Cheney as frightened people might be dis- difficult, right? It's easy to think of them as war criminals. They are. You know, they called for torture. Um, they threw the American Constitution in the drink. It's still there. We still haven't. We still don't have habeas corpus back. All right eight hundred years of democracy just tossed into the dirt. The guy WikiLeaks guys in prison, an American citizen, no charges. Solitary confinement. While uh our our President Obama is in the White House allowing this. At least charge him. Let him see an attorney. It's it's absolutely outrageous. And clear to me that President Obama is not really the president. He's the president of the upfront government, but there, <laughs> there's another... It's like pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, right? <laughs> it, it, it's clear that what we think of as our government in Washington is a facade. And Obama's not running the show, I'm afraid, nor is our Congress. I think the only way out with our anger and our frustration... And the the fears, the stresses, and the anxieties, Tommy, that prevent us from feeling our happiness and our love. I think to the ultimate love, the highest frequency, the greatest challenge, is to love the enemy. And and to attempt to use compassion and empathy as a quality of understanding that could open us. Uh, to a certain quality of of, of peace that this is the universe unfolding itself and that it, uh, because of the nature of human will uh, this is the way the universe has been designed to give us the will to be willful and ignore our better natures if we're tempted by and become addicted to uh, money and power. This is the universal battle. And so the forces of light are always going to battle the forces of materialism. But to do it from compassion rather than the classic King George and the Dragon good, slaying, evil this time, I would argue it has to be love slaying fear, which is not a killing or a destroying, certainly, but a saving an uplifting a transmutation we would say in alchemy that's what love doesn't kill fear; it turns it into love it it takes the ignorance and converts it through understanding into knowledge redeems it or saves it in that way and it's it's a very important uh, distinction between the classic St. George slaying the dragon good killing evil and that's our feeling we've got these lower chakras that says well we have to kill these bad guys we have to off them somehow at least castrate them or neutralize them uh not to dwell on this but you brought up the shooting in Arizona I hadn't mentioned it yet Uh, for all of the things that could be said about it I guess what I feel like saying now in, in the context of what we're talking about is the backlash I guess that's the word the backlash that's coming out of this you know the right wing was free to promote hatred and fear so long as something like this didn't happen and then this right winger goes into the holocaust museum and, and kills a security guard and uh the news media, brought to you by corporate America, decides that's a story for one day. And these guys are always portrayed as being, you know, soul nuts. The uh the guys that blew up the uh federal building in in uh Oklahoma, Tulsa, same thing. You know, media's not gonna tell you they're Part of a whole movement on the right—that's part of the Republican base—that includes the Klan and the Nazis and the Aryan Nation and the, you know guys that wear swastikas and dress up in German uniforms and call that capitalism, right? But that's capitalism is fascism, the corporate state. A lot of people loved Hitler, still do, on the right. It's become the Republican base. And so Sarah Palin can get away with putting targets on people's districts, other Republicans even. (laughs) The crosshairs of a rifle with the words, don't retreat, reload, And the death panels on the health care debate and all of the other lies that they've told, the lies that they tell about Social Security going bankrupt when they're out to destroy Social Security. Make no mistake about it, the right wing in this country is out to destroy the government, to dismantle it. They'll take us right down to, like, Somalia, (laughs) <laughs> because it's all about saving money and reducing taxes and creating cheap labor. It's really all that simple. But there's a backlash, which is consciousness. Again, this middle element, this the soul, the, the love, truth. I called it uh, love as consciousness, the middle way, and the quality of this spiritual love being the happiness. That's our theme for the day today. This love consciousness takes a quantum leap in these situations. You know, it's regrettable that it's two steps forward, one step back. That it takes adversity and pain and suffering, this purgation to purge from us our demons, our fears, and uh, so. The heartache opens us to an opportunity anyway to say, this is wrong, what's happening on the right. And it's not about conservative values or conservative issues. It's about the hatred and the, and the nastiness and the violence on the right. Everybody's got some conservative ideas and some liberal ideas. It's not about conservative values about hatred, violence, the ruthlessness of this corporate-led element of largely low-information people—shall I, shall I say that? Compassion—that's that's the highest form of love there is. The most difficult challenge to love the enemy uh, doesn't mean you tolerate it. You know, it's not a passive, love your enemy is not a passive thing. It requires action, staying informed and doing whatever you do. Well, we can have both. I mean, I think in our meditations we can generate, create, foster, and maintain, uh uh, on demand, be able to access at least like a well that we return to, a resource that we pull upon, this inner peace, this inner love. I mean, that's what drives you, that's what makes you care in the first place. Your anger, we can say, my anger, uh, anyone's anger, is rooted in our fear. But there's also uh, an element of passion, you know, of love in that anger of righteous indignation, of uh, heartache. And resolving it is what we're here to learn to do. We're pioneers in that regard. And yet, uh, I'll tell you, the emotional heart is easily broken, but the higher heart, the heart of the consciousness, is never broken. And so access that. Aspire to it anyway. Uh, again, not a, as a matter of attainment. You already got it, just as a matter of of practice. But I sure, sure appreciate you bringing all that up. It is tragic what happened. Uh, particularly tragic. Uh, think of the nine-year-old little girl that was shot. And. Uh, My wife told me this morning, Doreen, that this little girl was born on 9-11. A little odd. Come come into the world on 9-11 as the trade towers fell and leave the world because some tea party guy decided that he needed a clip of 20 shells uh, if he wanted to kill just a congresswoman he didn't have to bring an extended clip of 20 shells uh, and was he disturbed? yeah of course but so are many of the people that constitute this hateful base on the right and the media panders to it the corporations pander to it because these people are easily persuaded to act against their own best interests Well, let's see, out of Oregon, Brookings, Oregon, Bruce Chambers is with us. Hello, Bruce. He says, Aloha, great to be here live for the first time. Just want to say hi and encourage everyone to pray for peace. Thank you, Bruce. And uh, thanks for the uh, email. I haven't had a chance to respond to you yet, but I appreciate your, uh, your comments and taking the time to write to us. Lorelai's with us. She's in Tucson, of course. She says, Aloha, Michael and Doreen. Happiness is self-made. Thank you for reminding us of the truth of happiness. I've made the choice to allow you to make me happy. (laughs) Well, I'll point the way, but you can't always rely on me. I may not always be available to you. Uh, She says... Uh, funny that we can allow what other people think and say to determine what we do or do not do in our lives it can sometimes paralyze us and don't know which direction to go yeah the um, caring too much about what other people think again I was talking about the program Steve and I did at Focused Fashion this week on the driving force the, to, to reflect deeply, spend significant time. We're going to do this in the Maui retreat in a couple of weeks. Focus on the tendency of the mind, when not disciplined, when not trained, to focus on need for acceptance or approval, number one. Number two, the need to control money and power, identifying with the whole material world, and three, the constant judging, the perpetual—is this right or wrong, good or bad—that—that that drumbeat of either-orness, everything or nothingness—in our heads, um, you got to be aware of our tendency to do that before we can consider whether we could give that up. And if you give that up, then you could pay attention to what's happening right here, right now. And, there's your happiness. Ganoga right. Park, Phil Jaffe is with us. And uh, he's talking about something about seven dimensions, length, width, depth, time, space, knowledge, and heaven, God's kingdom. Don't know that model, Phil, but in quantum physics, uh, in fact, Stephen Hawking has a brand new, is it Hawking or Hawking's? Stephen Hawking, uh, has a new book and uh, I saw some programming on the science channel, cable TV science channel with Stephen Hawking that I thought was very good and uh, he's he's describing as essentially the new consensus from quantum physics, the idea of 11 dimensions so you can check that out uh, you always want to pay attention to your attribution Uh, who says in other words Um, and be able to identify well what model are we talking about here if a writer wants to say there are seven dimensions and they have their own model well say let me that's fine no problem and L.A. Yvonne is with us she says aloha Michael magnificent subject matter thank you see you Thursday night on the video conference and uh Hope you guys can make that. We have about anywhere from 8 to 12 people that check in regularly on the video conference. Check your weekly newsletter for information on that. In Oceanside, California, Roberto says, Hi, Michael. Good to hear you today. Looking forward to a happy new year. Hope yours is too. Thank you, Roberto. certainly has been so far. And I'm sure it'll get better and better and better. And then TECA, California. Rick says, Aloha, Michael. Excellent uh, talk. Looking forward to seeing and talking with you on Thursday in the webinar. Great. Patricia Vega in Los Angeles. Aloha, Michael. And Doreen, uh, love the class. She says, um, I'm having a problem reading this. What does that say? Hold on. Oh, sure. Sometimes my eyes dry out. She says we get so born I don't know what this means. Born barded and uh, I can't read this Patricia and then other people telling you what's what and how to live and we need a class like this. So thank you. Um, Your life should be we need to be reminded to uh, let go of our breath and I let go of our breath, so to speak. Thank you. I'm sorry, there's a couple of typos that confused me there, Patricia. But thanks very much for being there and for writing. Oh, let's see. We have a few others. Um, Before we check the phones, Judy Crafton of Arcadia. Hi, Michael. Good class. See you soon. Judy's going to be here. for. She's one of the people that are going to join us middle of next month for the Maui retreat it's not too late we do have some spots if you'd like to join us this rare opportunity don't know that we'll I mean this is the first one and it may be the only one we just don't know that's why we're going with a smaller group we were thinking uh, 20 or 25 initially and then we started looking at the logistics of providing food for everybody and Especially since this is the first time and we're pretty isolated, 70 acres of privately owned land, you're going to have to run on the place right on the bluff in the Pacific Ocean and northeast Maui near Hana, the world famous Hana Resorts. Paradise. You're going to find yourself in paradise. And so we've decided uh, to do um, like 12 to 15 people at most. And uh, yet, we're we have openings. We have several spots open here still. So it's uh, it's not too late to join us. You can go either to theagelesswisdom.com or focusedpassion.com, and click the button that says Maui Retreat for more information. You can email me. You can call me. My email address and telephone numbers all over the web at all of these sites and uh, I'll email you back or call you back and tell you all about what to expect. I'm incredibly excited about this opportunity to teach mindfulness in a week-long intensive, not a one-hour session or a two-hour session, not a uh, half-day seminar or even a full-day intensive, but to have a week where we live together and eat together and meditate together and you'll have plenty of free time to run around and do whatever you want to do to lay in the sun, to read a book um, to sit and watch the grass grow but um, every day we're going to have uh, instruction and uh, play time workshops, play shops uh, dyads uh, group meditations where we break up into smaller discussion groups where you do a little bit of journaling, where you just sit quietly and reflect. And the instruction is all about the idea of using feelings of safety, deep relaxation, and peace of mind to create an expanded awareness and learn to be mindful so that by the end of the week, you've become good enough at it that you can draw upon that state of mind, that expanded level of awareness, of peace and insight and understanding. Anytime you want, once you're back out of the mainland, you may be frustrated, you may be angry, you may be heartbroken. You'll have a little bit of paradise you can access as easily as closing your eyes and taking a deep breath an experience of five days Being guided through paradise as a skill set. Imagine paradise as a set of tools that you'll be able to use anytime for the rest of your life, pun intended, for the rest of your life uh, to solve your problems and heal your heart. Anytime you're hurt and confused and don't know what to do, you'll have something to do, a skill set. And it's easy to say, I haven't got the time, I can't afford it, Um, or to pretend that uh, you don't have any anxiety about facing the truth of who you really are. I'll just say, I understand the resistance. Uh, That is the problem. It's always the problem. Our resistance to just how wonderful and magnificent our lives really could be not if we made it so, but rather allowed it to be so, didn't work so hard at micromanaging a life that is conspiring to give us everything that we want. To learn to, in a a peaceful and, and I'll say, uh, graceful and even elegant way, uh, waltz through the minefields, And uh, it requires you to stay open and sensitive, as as Tommy brought up, the situation in Arizona and and the uh, difficulty that the Obama administration is having, living up to its promises, to uh, put us back on track. Apparently it doesn't uh, have the power. Uh, It can't even close Gitmo. I mean, who was it that told Obama, no, you can't do that, when he promised? It was one of his top promises. And even the first week he was in office, he signed a declaration. It's still open. And uh, there's still controversy about who who is it that says to the president, no, I don't think so, Um, you know, or any of the other things that he hasn't been able to, uh, to, uh, to accomplish. To do that, he has the power to do by himself, but hasn't done for some reason. Why does he keep appointing these Wall Street guys and bringing in the very people from the Bush administration that created the mess in the first place? It's very frustrating to be knowledgeable about that, to be well informed, and yet to continue to be optimistic and positive and loving and and hopeful but that's the challenge that's the work of the spiritual disciple so you are you are an instrument of that you are the spiritual instrument sometimes you have to go to school to get some instruction to learn how to do that because as I said earlier today nothing in your life will change until you do right? and we're not talking about changing into a different person becoming more of who you are the game is rigged I've been in the field for 40 years largely because the wonderful truth is everybody is really magnificent everyone is really cool in some way might seem strange to you or me (laughs) some of the people and characteristics we come across but Everybody's got a shadow side and capable of doing some pretty mean, nasty stuff. But everybody's got this loving, solar side, this beautiful uh, light inside, even the most evil people. And there is the battle, right? Not so much between good and evil as it's been portrayed—the Saint George and the Dragon stuff I mentioned. But love over fear, that's, a, again, a very different, a uh, higher turn of the spiral way of resolving the problem. You don't have to kill the, the, this enemy. You have to love this enemy. And it's it's challenging, but come to the retreat. Learn how to do that. Learn how to make sense out of the rest of your life. A lot of it is just recognizing that things tend to work out anyway, in spite of the torture, the torment we put ourselves through, at least on a personal level, knowing that helps us to increase our contribution in the world, I think, in terms of thinking globally but acting locally. Right? Let's see, who else do we have? I mentioned Patricia Vega, I mentioned Judy Kraft. Uh, uh, who will be here again if you want to know about that while we retreat, check out the websites theagelesswisdom.com or focusedpassion.com where you can also subscribe to the premium audio uh, podcast for just three ninety-six a month. Virginia in L.A., she's also going to be here, I know. She says, aloha, Michael. Coincidentally... This week I begin or I began reviewing the wisdom nuggets, uh, the text file on your website. Lots of fascinating info. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome, Virginia. And John Bowles in Pittsburgh. Aloha, Michael and working while listening, listening while working. See you at the beach in around Maui. John Bowles from Pittsburgh. You'll be able to meet John Bowles in (laughs) in Virginia and judy and several other wonderful people very much like you if you come to the maui retreat for well, what maybe a once in a lifetime experience in learning a practical application of mindfulness right to be the best that you can be in that regard okay um oops i pushed the wrong button here let me go back and see who's on the telephone and uh, here we have somebody that wants to come in. Hi, you're in the Mystery School class with Michael Benner. Who's this?
1: Uh, this is John Bowles, the John Bowles.
0: The John Bowles, the famous John Bowles. I was yes. just talking about you.
1: Yes, sir. I took a break from working when I heard you doing the comments and waiting for uh, to go to the phones, and certainly had to take a break for the uh the end. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll do a meditation here.
1: A meditation, sorry. And also a big aloha to the beautiful and wonderful and magnificent Doreen Key.
0: She's out here. She's doing something in the other room. She's just getting over her cold.
1: Oh, man. Well, I wish her well.
0: Yeah, she feels much better.
1: Well, I wanted to speak to uh, something you just said, three things, and that was about the retreat. Um, It's easy to make an excuse about time. Uh whether you don't have the time or don't want to make the time uh and money, I'm working hard for that, and I'm going to do it i'm not uh, letting negativity get in my way, but the third thing you mentioned was the acknowledgement of fear of knowing yourself or saying you know I don't have that anxiety, and as you know i've i've admit, I've emailed you and spoken to you about that topic specifically, and I came right out and said I do have a fear of that, and I just uh, sort of just wanted to hear what you had to say again in that sure. regard.
0: Sure. Sure. Um, I think our uh, our our parenting that is not limited to parents, but the experience of growing up. So that can include siblings and the bully up the block. And, that one school teacher that was so mean to you and the bus driver that made fun of you that one day and you never saw him again, but you always remembered. I mean, our our childhood is full of hurtful, emotionally traumatic experiences that lead to false assumptions that understandably kids make. And um, then you have the overlay in the West, particularly, of the Judeo-Christian idea of being born bad and told that you're a sinner and that you're evil and rotten and condemned to hell unless you behave according to these medieval rules right, which deny your sexuality for example and in some cases tell you it's wrong to dance or that music is of the devil and uh all of this denying the best parts of us, (laughs) you know, denying the truth of who we are. So, again, uh, between those two major influences, the sphere of parenting and family, and then you have this overlay of this, uh, you know, sexual and social repression from the Church, uh, I suppose we could go on and talk about the idea of state repression or institutional racism, or the effect of poverty, uh, uh, and all of these other factors on us. Of course, we have questions about who we are, and as a result of our experiences, I think John have made a lot of false assumptions about not being good enough. Or, I mean, what parts of us do we know sooner in life, our, our weaknesses or our strengths?
1: Uh well, I I would think that in my growing up, I was certainly taught about my weaknesses, not just by parents, but by all of those you've just mentioned. Yeah,
0: I had an art teacher in the eighth grade. I remember it like it was yesterday. This art teacher leaned over my back just as I was doing what I thought was a really good job of drawing this tree. This 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 incident has just burned <laughs> the white consciousness. <laughs> And she leans over from behind and says, Michael, I'm sure glad you're good at science and math because you'll never be an artist. Oh, no. And she broke my heart. Thank God nobody ever said that to me about my music, (laughs) which I've always felt inadequate about. I've always felt inadequate about my guitar playing, which I've done all my life. Fifty years I've played guitar. Uh, my my singing or whatever uh, always felt inadequate about it, but I do it because I love it and that to me is a higher calling, that's the more, more important thing so what we have to do I think is an antidote to a lot of these false assumptions we make about ourselves being inadequate or not smart enough or good enough or pretty enough or not able to please these people in our childhood um is to do what we love to do and follow our hearts, uh, put our attention on what does make us happy, what puts a smile on our face, what we enjoy, where we find comfort, and cultivate that in our lives. Do what we love to do, right? Indeed. And, And honor that. And then we find what's lovable about ourselves. And you may find along with that that, well, you know, I'm not equally talented in all of these areas, but I, I found as a result of doing what I love to do where I really am talented and skilled. And, and it's more important to know what I'm really good at as a reflection of who I am than to be limited to only what I've never really been very good at and really don't care very much about. I was just doing that to please other people. right? That's the stuff we learn first. Uh, the rest of our lives is about, I think, you know, finding out the good stuff that we really love to do and we're meant to do. Our particular gifts and talents suggest that there must be areas in our lives where we're not so gifted and talented, but let's focus on the former and do what we love to do and express the truth of who we are, regardless of what other people may think. And uh, one, also, once I got hip to the fact that that I was being strung along in my young life by by unpleasable people, that all they had to do was like the the, the carrot and the mule, you know, uh, dangle that reward out there, and I'd I, 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 I'd you know walk over hot coals to try to please this person, and then like Lucy pulling the football away at the last minute. (laughs) Charlie Brown falls right on his ass time and time again. These unpleasable (laughs) people would jerk it away at the last minute and say, I'm not pleased. You haven't made me happy. And we take that personally. Once you get hip to that scam, not that the manipulator is even conscious of what they're doing as an unpleasable person, that's just the way they live. But once we get hip to this need we've had to please unpleasable people and decide to give that up, there's plenty of others we are able to please just by being who we are and not having to petition them for approval at all. But just The truth of who you are pleases enough people that you'll always have friends around you, people that like you. You may not understand why they like you. You know, you may not understand why people love you. Uh, but it's certainly worthy of a search. What is so lovable about me? What how would I find that? Well, what do you love to do? What do you what do you care about? I did a program once on KPFK and I was gonna say, What do you love? and just before I went on the air I changed it and decided to call it what do you care about? And Why do you care at all? And what does it say about you as a unique individual that you care about these particular things to this extent, in this way? And John, you know, it became this really fascinating program. Unlike anything I'd ever heard on the radio before, people calling up on a variety of topics and issues, talking about what they cared about and why they cared. Without attraction, what we care about, that's just another way of what do you love? What do you love to do? What are you interested in? What do you find fascinating? And we have control over that. We can shut down on that, or we can turn our attitudes around and say, I'm so willing to to be love in my life that I'll try being interested in anything. To see what's there for me. How, you know, this is one of the secrets to education. It's how do I get interested and motivated in something that I'm really not interested in, but I got to take this class. <laughs> it's a requirement. I, I need this credit, right? right? So how how do you how do you fade interest? How do you imagine being interested in it? And uh, mindful of it is another way of saying that. Uh, and you can do that. You can remember a few weeks ago you and I talked about this. I I suggested in the class here uh, that we pick up an object off of our desk and look at it as if we'd never seen anything like it before. Yes, that's a wonderful exercise to do. You can do that with uh, any object that's on the desk in front of you. You have so much control over the mind that you can easily go into the twilight zone mode. You know, bring that d d d d music, d d d. You bring that up in the background and look at this here pair of scissors, like you've never really looked at it before, because you probably haven't. I mean, not closely, not carefully, not like the person who manufactured it did, or the guy that designed it, the woman or man that 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 designed the thing and drew it out by hand and, or made it out of clay the very first time. You know, we can become... I mean, this is one of the fascinating things about the psychedelic trip as it was introduced in the 60s was people people that experimented with psychedelic chemicals reported an ability to become... Fascinated with the most mundane, you know, well, I spent an hour staring into the ashtray, and it was fascinating. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome, dude. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) I really tripped out. So we're mostly shut down. See, we're just like big-time filtered, big-time shut down, and can learn by letting go and shifting gears here with a breath and a letting go feeling to open ourselves to the infinite possibilities that it, that are, are right here in this moment. The, cool. the, the eternal and the infinite that is present in the instant, in this moment, if we will stop judging it and look at it with beginner's mind as if we've never seen such a thing. There's great wisdom in that. We'll do it. We're going to do a session on beginner's mind uh, next month, also at the Maui retreat. Very cool. Yeah. We have a program um, at Focus Passion, also called Beginner's Mind, and uh, part of our Finding Yourself in Paradise series. So, uh, well,
1: listen. I have been paying attention in class, and I've turned that fear into excitement. I'm getting more excited by the minute every day. And I can wait, but I can't wait.
0: <laughs> I understand. Well, I'm very excited, too. Looking forward to seeing you, uh, John. And uh, thanks for calling and being here today.
1: Certainly. And aloha to you and everyone listening. Aloha. Bye-bye.
0: So long. John's in Pittsburgh this afternoon. Let's uh, do a meditation. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left, but uh, we can do it quick little visualization exercise here and sort of reinforce and install our topic today which is happiness again, uh, if you look in the archives at theagelesswisdom.com go back about six months and you'll find another program I did on happiness, that was the last time we talked about it at that program at, from from July of last year was called Happiness for No Reason. So if you want more on that, you can check that out. Get comfortable. Close your eyes. Relax. Shoulders back. Balance your head on your neck and shoulders. Do a couple of shoulder shrugs and some head rolls in one direction and then the other. Get loose. Shake it out. Experience yourself as balanced, head balanced on your shoulders, spine straight, though not rigid, just nicely balanced, above your hips, feeling grounded, rooted into the earth. Feel your energy connection to the earth, whether through your butt on the chair the sofa, the cushion or through your feet flat on the floor feel rooted, grounded or plugged in you may also wish to imagine yourself surrounded by nature in a beautiful wilderness or magnificent garden green blue sky the feeling you're just dreaming this up with your eyes closed is exactly right make it up however it occurs to you is exactly right and hear the sounds allow my voice to go with you as a guide but at the same time you can hear the birds singing so easy to imagine the sound of a little mountain stream nearby or the wind at the tops of the trees as you sit beside a little lake or in the middle of a field full of beautiful wildflowers you dream it up maybe a grassy spot beneath a shade tree or a deep forested place you dream it up and feel rooted into the earth consider that above you as you sit is all that is spiritual a hierarchy of spirit your own higher self, your better self, your better nature, your overshadowing soul, perhaps, on its own plane, above and free of form. A Christian would think of Jesus, perhaps. A Buddhist would think of Buddha, the Buddha, not as an individual so much but as their own spiritual nature their Buddha nature some would think of saints and sages others of relatives having once lived but standing above you in a spiritual sense as guides some think of guardian angels other angels or cherubs spirit guides animal spirits and guides the creator the divine source God the absolute the father aspect the highest kether all standing above you and around you the physical world consider that you are the middle element You are the heart and soul, receptive to spirit and causative to the material world that puts you in the middle. You are the soul, you are the sun, you are the Christ, you are the Buddha nature. You are spirit manifesting as consciousness, receptive if you're willing to align yourself to the spiritual impress that overshadows us the truth, the love, the light the true expression of who we are and what we're for as human beings open yourself to the downward impress like a gentle precipitation of consciousness that comes into you at the top of your head, fills you, and then you consciously radiate through consciousness, through your identity as the conscious self. You radiate or emanate that spirit out into the material world, reflected on the horizontal now, and experience yourself as the middle way. And know that this alignment and this positioning is facilitated by deep relaxation, by the quiet mind and calm emotional nature that follows. And by the many qualities of love available here, happiness, peace, Contentment, fulfillment, and in our relationship with others, kindness, tolerance, and patience, and forgiveness, understanding, and compassion. All letting go. Letting go of everything that is not love letting go of everything that's not happiness letting go of our need to have reasons for feeling peace and love and happiness letting go of the reasons letting go of the reasoning letting go of the fears and worries and doubt and yet you remain Letting go of all of your stresses, anxieties, releasing all of your fears and confusion. You remain. And that is love, consciousness, peace. It is the middle way, the third way, it is the path or the bridge between cause and effect, between the source and its manifestation, between spirit and matter, the middle way, the heart and soul, the center, the source of the mystery, love, consciousness. And this is happiness. This is the happy way. And you simply allow it and see that it remains when everything that is not peace and love and happiness is released. Bring this feeling, this awareness, this understanding with you gently back into the world. As you take another nice, slow, deep breath filling your lungs as hold as you peak for just a moment. And as you exhale, uh, relax, feel the letting go, and open your eyes now wide awake, alert, rested back in the room, feeling fine and uh, happier, no doubt, than before. Thank you for all your great questions and your comments, for your participation and your presence here today. Thank you, those of you who have yet to listen, but... (laughs) Have <laughs> listened with uh, uh, podcasts through the podcast. Uh, leave a comment if you can at the iTunes Store or whatever podcast directory you use to sign up for the free subscription. And check out our premium audio series at focusedpassion dot com. It's only ninety nine cents a program, three ninety six a month. Uh, that supports everything that we do, defers the broadband costs, and Helps us in our promotion. Three ninety six a month at focusedpassion. dot com for a weekly premium audio with Steve and I together. We call them compelling conversations and guided meditations. And come to Maui, join us. You heard from some of the people this morning that are going to be there. Uh, we got a couple of openings. Actually, I would say. A few openings, about I put it that way. And the uh, point is, we've still got plenty of time to get you signed up and to arrange your flights and all of that. I, I can't imagine you spending a week in Maui for less than the total tuition, which is 24 50 and includes all of your expenses, all of your meals, all of your accommodations, everything except air and ground transportation. All right. All you need is a small suitcase of clothes, and, and uh, throw your swimming suit, your sunglasses in there. Get a hat with a brim on it, baseball cap or a big brimmed hat. Bring some sunblock, and uh, an intention to immerse yourself in the moment, in deep and profound peace, to create the expanded awareness and insight. That you'll be able to use mindfully when you return to the mainland. Imagine being able to on demand pull that trigger and bring paradise to wherever you happen to live and whatever you happen to be going through. Okay. Do that for yourself, invest in that, and join us the Maui Mindfulness Retreat, February 13 through 18, 2011, in Nahiku, Maui. Google it, check it out, go to the website at Focus passion.com be gentle, love life and take care of each other, thanks for being here aloha from Maui, this is Michael Benner